When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone and this is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. On today's episode, I'm joined by Adrian Clark and Jordan Campbell. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see you. Uh, what we'll do, we'll look ahead to um, Arsenal's clash against Fulham on Saturday. Uh, as Mikel Arteta's side look to make it three wins from their first three games this season. And there's only three teams that can do that. Uh, we know one of them. <laughs> the other one is now to guess either. We'll talk about that. Uh, before we do, Arsenal did a tweet yesterday, the club, saying ahead of the upcoming Champions League draw next week, the club felt they needed to remind fans what the competition is. As if we've forgotten, it's been, what, six long years or something? Uh, <laughs> um, so what we thought, as an opening question, what's something you've not done for so long that you've forgotten to do. Uh, from my uh, perspective, I've been at the Edinburgh Festival for four weeks, so I would say uh, eat healthily and sleep is is the thing <laughs> that I've forgotten to do and actually forgotten how to at this point. Uh, what about you, Jordan? What have you uh, forgotten to do? Probably sadly exercise the last two months because yeah. I, was, I was in I was in the uh, the US tour and then I went on holiday for a week and uh, came back and uh, yeah. I had a bad, a bad reunion with the gym yesterday. So, oh, oh, and you, uh, yeah, stop it, Adrian. You're a professional footballer. I mean, you, Jordan, have been eating American sized portions as well, which is, you know, can I have some soup? And they give you a hubcap, you know, and you just go, this is, that was my first time in the US. So, um, was it? I got to see what a a super sized McDonald's was. even without ordering a super size. I mean, it's it's insane. Well, get back in the gym. As Well, you're back now. You are back now. And uh, Adrian, what about you? What's something you've not done for so long that you've forgotten to do? Uh, it's pretty easy. I, I've forgotten how to be good at computer games. Just <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day, I used to be good. Quick story. I once went to a launch of the Pro Evo. Do you remember Pro Evo? The, yes. The, like, a, like a FIFA game. Um, and I... Uh, David Bentley was there. I think he was at Spurs then. And David Bentley went up on stage and beat the then UK champion at Pro Evo. And then later on in the evening, I gave Bent a game and I beat him, which made me obviously the de facto UK champion at Pro Evolution Soccer. So um, that's that's how reasonable I was back then for nowadays. Not now. No, not I, now. I, I played my son actually at FIFA not long ago. Um, he's 22 now. And yeah, it was embarrassing. Absolutely oh. embarrassing. Oh. Well, listen, I've been there. My son my son used to play Barnet and I used to play Barcelona. He used to beat me regularly. And it was almost, <laughs> and he was toying with me, and he was about nine, as far as I remember. <laughs> One other thing, maybe if David Bentley had spent more time concentrating on real football and less on Pro Evo, he might have had a better career. But anyway, anyway. Um, so look, as I was alluding to in the opening, 13 sides have already lost a game this season, and only three 
Brighton, City and the Arsenal have won their opening two games. Their win at Selhurst Park on Monday night still feels just as important as it did on Tuesday morning. Um, a little stat to emphasise this. Palace lost at home the last time was in March and the winning side uh, won 1-0 through a Norwegian's penalty. That was, of course, Erling Haaland from Manchester City. Uh, Jordan, you wrote a piece on the website um, basically saying that the substitutions, you like the depth of the squad and then the use of the depth of the squad was the key thing. Well, I mean, at, at one point, every time I looked over at the dugout, there was just another defender lining up. It was like land of the giants by the by the end of the game. So, I mean, it was pretty backs to the wall. But I mean, when when Tommy Asu went sent get sent off, you were about where the Arsenal go now because he was already filling in for for Timber. Zinchenko was obviously had been out for a while, um, so he thought he'd be a bit rusty. But yeah, I think if everyone was wondering how how Arteta was going to cope without Timber, then Basically, just put every defender you've got and line them up. <laughs> that was <laughs> essentially it. But, you know, I think it was, uh, yeah, I think the fact that they had so many options to get through that game was probably, you know, it, it's not ideal at the time because it's a bit more stressful than it needed to be. But when yeah. you get through it, it, you're probably quite happy that they went through that. You know, people like Declan Rice, Havertz, you know, it's their first sort of um, test that come through and helps. Yeah, it helps Back that to together. The type thing. Yes. Yes. I mean, Adrian, you must have played it in some of them. And those backs-to-the-wall wins, I mean, they are they are massively important for team spirit, right? Yeah, they taste the sweetest, no doubt about that. They really do. Because it's about the collective, isn't it? It's about rolling up your sleeves and grabbing your mate and saying, come on, we, we will not be we will not be moved. You know, there's, yeah. there's a song about it. It's, yeah, it's really, really fulfilling when you can come through an examination like that. I'm kind of conflicted over the way we went about it. I would love to have seen more passing and us just keep the ball like we did for about 10 minutes when Jorginho came on. But I also admire Arteta's faith in the in the defenders to sort of see it out with this sort of deep block and a mass of defensive players. And, and you've got to say it worked. Palace didn't really create anything of note. Aaron Ramsdale was, was relatively quiet. I was looking at some of the stats actually about Palace and and what they did because they weren't very good against top half teams last season. I think they got one win out of 20. Yeah. But at home, at home to the very best teams, the ones that qualified for Europe, the top seven, they won one, drew four and lost two. And the two defeats were City and Arsenal. Um, And they only conceded six goals in those games against the very best in the division at Selhurst Park. Um, just once they were breached more than once as well. And that was obviously when we did it on the open night when we scored twice. So it is a tough game and we came through it with flying colours. And yeah, I think that the team will be more united as a consequence. And and what also happened, of course, is that Arteta gave game time to a, to a whole bunch of players that might not have expected it. Thank you, David Coote. <laughs> I think we all appreciate David Coote's contribution. No, in we don't. Sending no. To, no, no, we don't. Absolutely, <laughs> we don't. I've got a mate up here, uh, David Alfie Ward, who's, a, who's a, essentially a rabid Tottenham fan. And I like him, but we can't really be close mates because of that. Right, I mean, it actually gets in the way with the two of us. There's a bit of an edge to it. <laughs> you can imagine us having a couple and it kicking off. But he said he felt that Palace could have played all night. From I mean, I was going to say a neutral perspective. He's not really a neutral perspective. He wanted Palace to score. But he said that Palace could have played all night and they wouldn't have scored. That was the view from outside. Jordan, it didn't feel like that when we were watching it. 
Well, well, no, but I mean, it is true what he says because I don't remember a, a big chance at all. There's a couple of crosses where Ramsdale came out once and sort of spilled it and, well, blocked it and then spilled it. But, I mean, it was, Arsenal are pretty much like, well, you keep crossing, we'll keep heading away. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think I actually, sadly, when I went home, I watched it back and counted the number of crosses. There was 19 crosses after Tommy Yasu got sent off. So they managed to defend him uh, pretty well. But, yeah, Palace is a hard place to go. Like, I mean, when you've got the ball and you're trying to break them down, there's just no room. You know, Hodgson's teams are always notoriously well organised. So, yeah, let's not forget Roy is a top manager, has been doing it for a long, long time. And uh, uh, so they are very well organised. In a way, I felt that Palace looked more like scoring when we were dominating the game. When yeah, that's what we, I thought. Yeah, when we were in their half, obviously there was space for them to attack us. And they did it a few times and they were quite dangerous. So I think that Arteta actually nailed it in terms of his approach because had we tried to control it and pushed everyone forward, those gaps would have still been there and, and maybe they would have got better chances. So, yeah, it was it was a real reverse, wasn't it, in terms of the style of football, but but it was effective. It's adaptability, right? That's the point, is adaptability. He talks about that in terms of the players, uh, buying the players and being able to play in a number of uh, positions. And it's the same with the team and the way they play. So we're all very happy. Two wins out of two. Jordan, you want to add something to that? I, I was just going to say, like, I remember he did that against Liverpool, you know, when the two each game were. He, he does tend to like to drop back maybe a bit earlier than everyone would, would be comfortable with, you know. It's like you can understand it for the last 10 minutes, but it's like as soon as like a moment of adversity goes, he's like, right, that's it, shut up, shop. And I think that's quite, it can be dangerous at times, but I think it worked on Monday. But um, I don't know if that's just the, the sadistic part of his mind that he likes he likes that torture. But it, it, it is a bit painful to watch, I have to say. I mean, I think we all felt that. But anyway, uh, I was going to say got away with it, but that seems a bit reductive. We, uh, we got a result and two from two. Fulham at home on Saturday afternoon. Um, Arsenal unbeaten in their last 13 Premier League uh, London derbies, 1-11 and drawn two. Um, Tommy suspended, so... I mean, Adrian, I'm, I'm going to ask you what he's going to do, but who the hell knows at this point? <laughs> I mean, I mean, is, would he bring Gabriel in uh, to partner Saliba? Um, I mean, as you said on the pod the other day, it, it, it's a lot of it is about Thomas Partey at right back, but I really am missing that Ben White, Bukayo Saka little uh, connection. But he still he did it. The, the connection was still there against Nottingham Forest. If you remember, Ben White got forward quite a few times from from a sort of right side centre back role to to link. He got to the byline twice in that in that first half. So it's it's not impossible to do it. I I'm quite enjoying it. I think Thomas Partey looks good in that role, which means that probably and which means I probably wouldn't start Sinchenko. And maybe that's the the cautious move anyway. We absolutely don't want to lose him long-term with Timber out. I think I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with giving him maybe half an hour in this game where we're, maybe we can, we're in front, he comes on, gives us a little bit of control and, and we see things through. That Which means it's really a toss-up between Kivior and Gabriel for that, that hybrid left-back, centre-back spot. I personally would give it to Gabriel. I think he's more than capable of playing uh, left back slash left side centre back, um, and I want him back in the team. That's the bottom line. I, th- I don't. I think he deserves to be in the starting eleven, and and I want him in there. So 
that's what I would do. But but it wouldn't surprise me if Kivio got the nod because he's played at left back more often. And yeah, I'd be interested to hear Jordan's thoughts on that. Well, Jordan, let's hear your thoughts. <laughs> like I can understand wanting to, you know, obviously two right footers playing left back with Timber and Tommy Asu, but I don't know. I just think that Arteta, he, you can clearly see he's going to switch to every single, he's going to switch whatever game and whatever the opponent is. So I just think against Fulham, you know, against Fulham, you can probably get away with a bit more of a an attacking, more sort of functional left back rather than a, a centre back. So I would personally be tempted to. Yeah, bring Gabriel in and probably shift. I'd probably shift White back out to right back and either you can move party into midfield or or maybe you don't need him in, in race, so maybe it's one or the other. But personally, maybe that's my Scottish bias, but like this is a game where if Zinchenko's not fit, it probably is. You would look you would look to Tierney, but it's just because he's not been in the squad the last two games, clearly he's not in the picture right now. Not uh, right now. Yeah, but that, uh, things can change. Yeah, things can yeah, change. Just, I'd like to see him back as it well. It does actually. seem like a game where you would you would probably you know it would probably suit him um, to to come in and um, we'd give you a bit of drive. But whether Arteta actually is going to open it up because it seems to be the one position where he's not actually willing to 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 change that much. Um, uh, and for Tierney, I mean, if you want to ask him to play inverted, then you're just basically you know you're wasting his talent. So. Um, yeah, but I think it's probably too early with Zinchenko because he's been out quite a while with that calf injury. So, yeah, but I would like to see Gabriel come back in. Well, he's also scored in three of his four Premier League appearances against Fulham. I mean, these are not. Does that matter, Adrian? By the way, actually, really, is he does he get on the pitch? Thinks Fulham are really fancy today, or is it? I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. No, we, we come up with I these I would. I, yeah. I, if I had a lucky team that I scored against a few times, you go in, you go out there thinking uh, they're worried about me today. You know, it just gives you that little bit of, little bit of extra spring in your step. On that, by the way, Fulham are not good at defending set pieces. Um, really not good. We've obviously had joy against them in the past. I was looking at the numbers. Um, they faced the most set piece shots already this season: eighteen in two games. 18, 18 efforts from corners and wide free kicks against in them. In two games. Brentford absolutely pasted them at the weekend. Yeah, and, and Everton as well. We know that they've got a threat there. So they've got the highest sort of XG against from those. And look, I think Gabrielle is our biggest threat from, from corners. And, and and again, I looked at our record in terms of set-piece delivery so far this season. <laughs> Pretty rubbish it, by our standards. I think we've got, yeah, the second lowest XG. We've, we've not really created much of a chance from a corner or a wide free kick, we did score from a recycled one, but that doesn't really count. So, yeah, I think we need to get better at those and Gabrielle makes us better. And on that subject, Kai Havertz also got some serious height in there. Um, I mean, I, Adrian, this is not, can I just point this out? This is not me having a go at him in any way, okay? Whatever I say now, I really like Kai Havertz. I it's think he's a right. splendid it's chap. All right if you don't. He's apparently very kind to his mum. So can we just, uh, <laughs> but uh, he's covered the most total distance amongst Arsenal players in the Premier League this season. I was looking at the stat. Um, 23.2 kilometres. Uh, Declan Rice is next, um, half, just under half a kilometre less than Thomas Party, Martin Odegaard, Bukayo, Saka. He works very, very hard. I do remember um, Jordan saying the same thing about Mesut Ozil. We, we were talking about what does he contribute? And I sort of feel like we're going to have a lot of discussions about Kai Havertz and what he contributes. But 
Mikel Arteta must have a plan for him. He spent 65 million quid on him. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I guess we have it. He is just one of those players, I think, he might forever just drift in and out of games, which can sometimes be hard to appreciate at the end of it, especially when you've signed him as a predominantly attacking player and the stat you're reading out is based on how much he's ran. You know, so that that's obviously the, the difficult difficulty for people to understand is that he's playing a midfield role, so maybe he's not going to be as influential. But, I mean, apart from the one in the first half quite early on where he did really well to twist and, and put it out wide to Martinelli, you know, that was great vision. It's hard to really remember him influencing much else apart for that. I just think he's positioning, trying to get on the ball. He's, he's They're using him quite similar to how they're using Jack last year and having him at wide left. But a lot of the time he's just he's out there wide left when when this, the the left backs come in and he's just he's just not getting the ball. Um, I don't know whether that Martinelli then maybe needs a bit more freedom to open it up for him um, to come inside. But he's yeah he's just, he's struggling to get involved. A little bit, he is. Adrian, I mean, I mean, we have to remember also how young he is. He's, what, 22, 23? I mean, if we're comparing him to Granite Xhaka, you know, we saw the very best of Granite Xhaka last season. And, and if he is being thought of as a replacement, it's going to take him a bit of time. I suppose, but he's also played at the highest level for a long, long time. He's pretty experienced. Um, he's just learning a new way of playing, isn't he? Yeah. Declan Rice has talked about it. It's pretty complicated playing in a Mikel Arteta side and... It can frazzle minds, I would imagine, at the outset. And maybe that's part of what we're seeing. Um, yeah, I, I still, you know, I rate him, but I, I have the same frustrations that other people do as well. Um, he is hardworking. Whenever anyone calls him lazy, you know, or disinterested, that that is a misconception. But can he do more on the ball? Definitely. I want to see him be a bit sharper, a little bit slicker. In possession, I want to see more combinations with Martinelli and with the striker, Eddie Nketiah. We've seen Erdegaard and Saka link up really well with Nketiah, but but not so much have it. So there's more to come, definitely. And I want to see him in the box. I want to see him in the box because that's where he does the damage. And I don't think he's been in the opposition penalty box enough so far. Um, but, but I'm confident that it will come. Let's uh, let's remember that he has scored the winning goal in the Champions League final. He's not without uh, experience. You're absolutely right. Uh, we don't have to deal with Mitrovic as well. Uh, Raul Jimenez leading the line. I mean, I watched the Fulham highlights against Brentford. Um, I don't know, Jordan. They, they're, uh, they've got some good players. Uh, Paulinho will come back into the side. Ream suspended. Um, any danger that you see? I mean, obviously, it's a they're a Premier League team, an experienced Premier League team with a decent manager. They're going to give us problems, but really, we should beat these, shouldn't we? Yeah, and I think that also probably helps that Marco Silva will, will try and play. You know, Fulham won't probably come and sit in as deep as, as other teams will. I, I don't think they've not recruited in that way either. Like the same Calvin Bassey, who, you know, I watched a lot for, for Rangers. You know, he's a player who suits playing in a high line because he's pace. So I don't think they're going to really sit in their own 18-yard box for the whole game. So I think there'll be space for, for Arsenal to play in. And um, I think you saw at Craven Cottage, I was at March. I mean, that was a, a, one of the best performances of the season, I thought, um, the way Arsenal Arsenal beat Fulham's press. I mean, Martinelli's goal would have played it for the right to the left and then all the way up and uh, Trossard crossed it in at the back post. I mean, that was one of the goals of the season for me. Um, so I think, yeah, if you can replicate that performance um, at, at home, then I think they should be fine. But yeah, I don't I don't foresee many problems. 
No. Uh, <laughs> we'll record that. Last and- famous last <laughs> words, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the key player for Fulham so far this season has actually been Burnt Leno. I think that he's been ridiculously good. So it'd be interesting to see how he performs on his return to Emirates. Obviously, we had Matt Turner the other day coming back against us. He couldn't He couldn't deny us. Hopefully, Leno won't either. Um, he's been the busiest goalkeeper in the Premier League, Burnt Leno, across across the, the season so far. He's made 16 saves already. And according to our pals at Opta, he's prevented 3.7 extra goals already. Which in I, two games? Yeah, which is, wow. Which is astonishing. He's, put, he's pulled off some absolute worldies. Like, yes. Thanks to Neil Morpe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Morpe maybe should have scored a few of those. That is that is fair to say. Um but yeah, it's a goalkeeper in form. But but if if teams are creating chance, if Everton and Brentford are creating that amount, that number of chances against Fulham, I think we're in for quite an exciting game. I think that's 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 how we should look at it anyway. But but on Palina, he is a big player for them. Very good, very good. He's physical, um, and yeah, I think that he will make a difference. But but we should we should be okay. We should have enough. We absolutely should have enough. And and hey, if you want to talk more about Neil Mope failing, that uh, I'm happy to listen to that for another five or ten minutes. Um, by the way, uh, we've had a bit of correspondence. You can get in touch with us. Uh, our email is handbrake at theathletic.com. Um, Paul Slattery, uh, talking about his dad, got in touch with us. We were talking about the new green kit on Tuesday uh, and comparing it to the 82 kit. And Paul wrote, apologies. You don't have to apologise, Paul, for getting in touch with us. It's absolutely fine. Uh, but after all the 1982 kit chat, just had to share this memory. My dad took me to see Leicester away, 84-85 season. Um, then he puts in brackets, we live near Nottingham, so it wasn't too far. Well, that's good. I mean, I didn't... <laughs> it's nice to have a bit of context, isn't it, really? Uh, we arrived in Leicester, me sporting my red, white and green scarf from the 1982-83 season, but weren't too sure where the ground was. There were no smartphones in those days. Luckily, we spotted some fellow Arsenal fans bedecked. That is a word you don't hear enough, isn't it? Bedecked. <laughs> uh, in similarly outdated team colour. So we tagged onto their group. And some minutes later, we arrived at the ground. Unfortunately, the ground in question was the Leicester Tigers, who, as you no doubt know, I didn't know actually, but now I do, uh, wear red, white and green. green yeah. Fortunately, Filbert Street wasn't too far from the Tigers' ground. I know this. I've driven it. And we get there just after kickoff. And we miss, we miss Leicester score within the first 30 seconds. We heard the roar outside, but then it was all one-way traffic. Arsenal won 4-1 against the Leicester side, featuring Gary Lineker and a certain Alan Smith. Great pod. Cheers from Paul Slattery and talking about his dad, Mike Slattery, RIP. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I, I, I've, I had that picture up on my laptop for a while. Still a lovely kit, that 82, 83 kit. Is. I'm not sure about the scarf, though. How can you have a red, white and green scarf? Like, you, now, you don't need to uh, yeah. co- combine those colours for a scarf, do we, really? But. It's a strange. Listen, it's rugby. It's a different. It's a different sport, and they do all sorts of stuff. Oh, to I be know. honest with you. I'm not having to go at Leicester Tigers. That's their colours. They have they have barbecues in the car park. For goodness' sake, that is not the football <laughs> way, is it? To be fair, uh, this is handbrake off the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com 
slash courtside to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Adrian Clark, and Jordan Campbell here on Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast from The Athletic. A um, little bit of transfer chat. We are struggling with the outgoings. Uh, Tavares moves off as he failed to make a decision quickly. Uh, Flo Balligan is still at the club. Uh, Jordan, could uh, Balligan line up for Fulham against us? I mean, he wasn't in the squad last weekend. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a strange one with Balligan because he's clearly got talent, but with Arsenal, with the spending they've they've, they've made this summer, you've obviously got to bring some money back in. So, I mean, you're looking at who who's expendable, um, and he's probably one of the players, despite despite being a young talent and potentially may, maybe one day he, he may come back to Arsenal. But if you can if you could sell Balligan and bring in 30, 40, I think Arsenal were initially looking for fifty. But if you can get bring in thirty, forty, and even have a buyback and uh, included if it was possible, then I think that'd be good business. But I think Arsenal have been smart and they've not tried to flog him too heavily because you know you can see now that the interest is building up towards the end of the summer a few teams need a striker um there's a few london teams as well that are interested so um yeah i i think arsenal have probably got the right market um to bring money in for them but you know elsewhere there's a, a few a few fringe players that you know people might not think may will make a lot of money but you know you look at Tavares, let's talk of, 10 million around that if they can if they can get a buyer so they wanted more than that though didn't they i mean they were talking about 25 yeah, weren't they but i mean <laughs> i'm not sure how, how realistic that is but i mean if you can get these players off the wage bill with pepe you know will they need to pay pay up his contract in the end um it's it's, it's a difficult one but if you can get these players off the wage bill and and shift them then um i, I think that will will help arsenal and it could potentially finance this extra defender if if Arteta decides that he, he needs a timber replacement. Pepe, by the way, I don't know, Adrian. I mean, I've got this thing in front of me that was provided uh, by um, Jay, uh, who gave us some little stats before the show started. Um, he's a, it's stats show that he's performed better than Jaden Sancho and Anthony combined. Um I mean, there's, there are goals in the Europa League in there, weren't there, really? Um I don't know. I mean, um, I mean, we have paid up contracts before. There don't seem to be people, you know, knocking at the door for him, do there? No, he's probably on a lot of money, isn't he, in terms of his wages. So that probably puts off a lot of um, suitors. He's, he's, a, he's a good player. He's got end product. That left foot is is deadly, or it can. But be. that's all he's got, though, isn't it, Adrian? Yeah. In the end, I mean, I mean, I mean, I know we've talked about Bukayo Saka, and just because he comes inside, there's one thing knowing that he's going to do it. It was like Iron Robin years ago. There's another thing stopping him. But with Pepe, that is all he can do. He can chop back in on his left foot and then curl it in the top corner. I remember one he did against Brighton. But it's it seems predictable. Yeah, he hasn't got the all round game, has he? he? Doesn't he? Probably, I don't think Mikel Arteta feels he, he he works as hard or as intelligently without the ball 
as other players. And and <laughs> from personal experience, where managers have been on my back, you know, I know that that is really off-putting to a, to a head coach. They want to feel they can trust you out of possession. And then once that trust is gone, it's hard, it is hard to come back from it. So I think that Pepe does need a different manager. He needs a different environment to go and to go and do his thing. You're right about those stats. They may be inflated a bit by by cup competitions, playing against weaker sides. Um, I still think as an impact player, when we need a goal, and if Saka's not around or needs a rest, he's more likely than a lot of our other fringe players to come on and score a goal and to change the game. But but it's a, it's a lot of money to carry. You're carrying a lot of wages there for, for those rare moments. So, yeah, hopefully for him and for the team, a parting of the ways will happen between now and the end of the, the window. I think it suits all parties. I think it probably does. Uh, one more thing. Um, Rob Holding revealed on a podcast that came out this week that Ben White played on despite having a grade two hamstring injury. I mean, I actually don't know... Is that is that is that worse than a grade one or better than <laughs> you know a grade what? one? I don't know, Jordan. Do you know? <laughs> well, kind of it up, bud. Can I? <laughs> well, no, no. Obviously, it can't be that bad. But it's like, um, you know, uh, I think I uh, think one Burns, is the softest. I think, yeah, yeah. Burns goes up, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. third degree is worse than first degree. Well, I, I think, I think, but I actually don't know. With so, I mean, we've, uh, you know what. We should, if only there was some sort of internet or something we could look it up on. That anyway, um, but that is great too. It doesn't sound great, Adrian. You ever played through an injury like that? Well, definitely not a muscle injury. I don't know how you can actually. Um, hamstring, yeah, you can't sprint. So I don't know how you can can get through that. I did, yeah, of course I played through injuries. Yeah, like every think, player does. I like to think that my pain threshold was right up there, Stoney. Probably the best in the division. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's I did. very hard to measure pain threshold because yeah. nobody knows what pain you're feeling exactly right? it's actually impossible exactly. i played with a broken toe which i'm quite proud of it was Ooh. only it was only my little toe but squeezed into a boot it's pretty sore let me tell you so what yeah. i had to do was get it injected um uh before the game which absolutely killed because the needle was massive and it it didn't last ninety minutes. So, so you were just talking about your pain threshold a minute ago, and now you're telling me an injection hurt. I know, but yeah, it wore off after 65, 70 minutes. So then it was a true test of how how long I could sort of carry it through. Um, so yeah, I, I think I was pretty hard playing with a broken little toe. But but yeah, others might might differ. I mean, Jordan. I mean, we know what footballers are like, and especially in a in a competitive environment. They, they don't want to lose their place in the team. I mean, I know it used to be worse, Adrian, but even still, but they can do harm to themselves, Jordan, can't they? Yeah, I mean, if it was that bad, you would you would like to hope that, uh, that it's taken out of their hands um, so that it's not made worse. But, I mean, I actually did a, I did a grade three hamstring before. I mean, I think that's like a, that's a proper tear. But, I mean, a grade two is still pretty, pretty serious. So it probably bats back a bit of the reputation Ben White's got as... I don't like football, I don't watch it, you know, is that you don't get to where you are in at, at the top level of English football unless you do have a bit of, a bit of passion and a bit of fight in you. So I think it probably helps um, explain uh, how, despite not being a massive football fan, he's got where he is. So 
Quite, and I have to say that that would be the main thing that held me back, really, the pain. <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously I had all the other uh, the skill set, but uh, I just couldn't. I wouldn't want to squeeze my broken toe into a boot, but believe me, I didn't either. Really, you didn't either. no, no, <laughs> was, fair enough. How did you play, by the way, with the injection? How was the game? It was fine, yeah. It was like just numb. It's just numb yeah. for, for 65, 70 minutes. Then it started to started to kill and it's a, a case of there. If I started limping, then the manager would obviously give me the hook. But yeah, played with it for three or four games until it was sort of fixed. Yeah, yeah. aren't I tough? You are, Adrian. I'm just looking at you in a whole different way. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to take the piss as much to be honest, because I don't know. That's not true. Much harder that's just, that's than a I lie, Stoney. Come on. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, finish with a song. Um, Jordan, you haven't been on here very much. What have you got for us? We do a song every week, as you know. I was racking my brains here. Um, the few options, but I was thinking in homage to. Arteta's brick wall defence and holding on to the to the win. I've gone for ELO. Hold on tight. Right, I, I'm listening to ELO the other day. Great band, uh, and he's still got his voice. By the way, all these years later, he still sings and it still sounds fine. Um, Adrian, what you got? I've got, well, Gabrielle has obviously been in the news with um, being out of the team, but also been heavily linked with Saudi Arabia. And I was heartened to read a tweet from, was it Fabrizio Romano, saying that Arsenal have no intention of selling Gabrielle. And even if they received a bit of 170 million, wouldn't be interested. So that was that was great to read. So it just got me thinking, right, Let's look at Gabrielle songs. And there's an obvious Gabrielle song. It's uh, Gabrielle, Out of Reach, because that's what it is. <laughs> Keep away from him, Saudi Arabia. I know, I know. I mean, it's it's obviously incredibly tempting sometimes to the players, but the team don't want to sell him. He ain't going anywhere, which is great. Uh, I've gone for um, uh, talking about um, Ben White playing on through a grade two hamstring injury. I've gone for House of Pain, all right, and jump around. Jumped around to that one a few times, don't you? I'm shit. Do you know what? We all did. We all did. Um, that's it for Handbreak Off for this week. Thanks to Jordan Campbell. Thanks to Adrian Clark. And thanks to Mike Stavro, who uh, popped in to produce the show. And thank you to uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Ian Stone. This has been Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic Seal.